Welcome to the Marketing for Startups podcast. If you're trying to figure out marketing for your startup, then you're in the right place. In this podcast, we go high level, looking at the intersection of branding, data, and leadership to offer you a marketing playbook to grow and scale. Join me each week for in-depth interviews, tactical advice, and practical trainings. Hi, I'm your host, Victoria Hajar, veteran marketer and startup enthusiast. I promise to bring my experience and curiosity to each episode Then together, we'll peel back the onion on this ever-changing discipline that is marketing. I'm so happy you're here. Let's dive in. Welcome to this week's episode of the Marketing for Startups podcast. This week, I'm taking you behind the scenes of the Sales and Marketing Growth Accelerator, which is my year-long accelerator program specifically designed to help female founders get from six to seven figures in revenue in their business. And as part of the program, we have fabulous experts that we welcome into our community each and every month who talk about their area of expertise to help you learn new marketing tactics, help you grow your business. And this week I'm sharing an amazing workshop that was given by Scout Driscoll, who is a branding expert, a design expert. She's the founder and CEO of Design Scout a branding agency, and its wine industry division, Vint. Now in her 21st year of business, Scout prides herself on her studio's commitment to uplifting startups and strategically involving end-ups, providing laser-focused, effective design and business strategies. Clients appreciate Scout's deep acumen for working with clients across industries, her insights into customer behavior, and her keen understanding of the language of design. Scout is especially proud of her all-women studio's dedication to uplifting women entrepreneurs and building authentic and honest brands. She's a frequent speaker, was recently a panelist for the Beverage Tasting Institute's International Packaging Design Awards, and was honored to judge the 2020 Restaurant Development and Design Magazine Awards. She is a brilliant designer and an awesome human, and I'm so excited to be able to share her teachings with you all. So go ahead, get your pen and paper out because you're going to be taking notes. This one's a juicy one. A mastermind session with us talking all about branding and how to build a killer brand for your business going from good to great, right? So we're going to say, what are we're going to learn about what are the elements of a great brand? How do you start creating a great, better brand for your business? So Scout, um, Tell us a little bit about how you started as a a brander, how you started the agency, um, and why you're passionate about branding before we get into into the juicy meat of the workshop. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so nice to meet everyone. It's a pleasure. So as as Tori mentioned, today we're talking about the secret sauce of killer branding. And just to dig in, I do have a little bit of an intro. So we have um, myself, I have been in in branding and design for 20 years. I'm the founder of Design Scout, which is a Chicago-based studio and agency. We're an award-winning full-service design firm as well. Uh, And I got in branding because I am obsessed with founders. I only work with founder-driven brands. And people who, like me, are who I call fit foe entrepreneurs. Figure the F out. (laughs) So, you know, I started my business at 23 years old. And since then, I've had the pleasure of working with really almost 400 brands, helping them grow and really evolve their branding to be that bespoke 
a bespoke brand that really resonates with their customers, helps them feel like a million dollars, and helps them grow and know their brand is working for them. Awesome. So that's a big part of it. Um, and like I said, we work with those 400 brands. We're really great at brand evolution. So today I'm going to share with you guys some of the key ingredients that you can consider as you think about evolving your brands uh, and really know how your brand is going to actually move the needle. So super excited. This is so important. It's so important. Okay. And branding ROI. This is something that everyone asks about, right? So how do you conceptualize the ROI of brands? This is so good. That's a great question. So, you know, why is branding worth the trouble? Why is it worth the investment? You know, you're probably thinking, hey, it's professional. It gets the job done, right? Especially in business to business brands. Uh, but there's a really big difference between a good brand and greatness. So for us, we like to think a little bit about, you know, your customers, right? A great brand is going to convey that value and that culture and that point of view in the blink of an eye. So that's really where that ROI comes in for someone engaging with your brand. For your team, it's all about, you know, inspiring and bringing those values that you have as a founder into your brand, making sure that that resonates through your company culture. So brand is building company culture. And then most importantly, great ROI for you is when you have that confidence that your brand is working for you. And I always talk about how you know a brand has to feel like that bespoke custom outfit it is that number one power outfit you put on when you're networking. It is that thing that makes you feel amazing because it reflects you authentically, right? And it's a brand, it's an outfit that you walk around in that you really feel great about. So a great brand is also all about confidence for a founder, for business development, for marketing, um, and knowing that your brand is doing the heavy lifting for you before you even open your mouth. And I think this also is connected to the fact that almost every vertical is so flooded right now, right? The barrier to entry is so low. The bar is so low to get started with a business that almost the, the saturation at every angle, right? And your brand is really what, it really helps with that differentiation, right? If you're yeah. just doing the bare minimum and everyone's just doing the bare minimum, the one that puts in more effort to curate, to create, it's going to stand out. And that is going to also help with that ROI in the end, right? Absolutely. And it's also going to give you a resource for as you think about your marketing, as you think about how you stand out from your competitive set, all of those pieces are so critical for just making your life easier as a founder. Uh, so today I want to talk a little bit about kind of the seven simple tools of brand that we use here at the studio. And I know in this class and on your podcast before, you've talked a little bit about uh, ways to think about your story and your communication, but these are a little more foundational. These are really going to be about how you make choices about your brand, both from the written word into how you engage you know, your visual branding as well. So first for us, and it's really you know pretty obvious, but think about your, your consumer insight. You know, people I know this is a newsflash, but people are whole humans. <laughs> They're not just sitting there engaging with just your product or your service or your brand. They have an entire life beyond your product, right? So how do you meet them where they are? Really understand you know, that insight of why do they need your product or service in their lives? Really honing down on exactly like what that, that main checkbox is that you're checking for them. We also think about what we call our brand spirit or your key emotional driver. You know, your customer is going to choose a product or your SIS because they need it, but they're going to choose yours because of how you make them feel. So mm -hmm. make sure you understand, like, what is that core emotional driver behind your brand? First and foremost, you want to make sure it's compelling. You want to make sure it's authentic. You know, I always talk about how, like, Harley Davidson doesn't sell high torque motorcycles. They sell freedom. They mm -hmm. sell independence. 
that feeling of the open road. Uh, what is that freedom for your brand? And then how do you exude that in all of your marketing as you move forward? Yeah, this one's so, so important. And I think a lot of people disregard this for B2B, but I think it's just as important. And I'm going to show you guys uh, some things about differentiation in B2B, and we're going to see just how little emotion there is. and People play it really, really safe. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit too, how there's just a lot of spirit missing. Oh, um, and then, you know, step three is really understanding your key messaging themes. I call this facts and feels because we like to break it into four key messaging themes. Two are going to be focused on what it is that you're offering, the nuts and bolts of what you do. And then the other two are going to be about that positioning and that feeling. So you know, your core tenants or your themes for your brand can be about you know, the facts of your service and what you do differently. But it also could be about the fact that you just make people's lives easier, mm -hmm. uh, which I hope in some way your product or service is. But it helps to have four key things chosen ahead of time as you go into your content marketing, your thought leadership, your website copy, et cetera. Um, so think ahead about what are those key themes. We've got your brand point of view too. And this is what I get really excited about. This is the driving why behind your brand and what proof do you have to back it up? So for example, if your brand believes that you know the sales process is just way too complex, your brand point of view can be all around the idea. Like we make it simple. You know, this, this this should be simple for you. So what do you believe in and, and what are those key reasons to believe that? So think about not just your point of view, but how you bring it to life. You know, why should someone believe you when you say that that is important to you? If I believe sales should be simple, my tool should be incredibly easy to use. So it's going to kind of fulfill that brand point of view. And this is I basically love, I love it because this is, all, is sort of like where the mission and values like come to life. Because I think a lot of times folks like, we have these buzzwords of mission, the values, and you kind of like write this, but what you're saying is sort of like, how do you walk the walk? Like, how do you communicate to your audience what those mission and values are? Because if you do believe like it should be simple, it's well, what are the things that you do that you can share with your customers and your, your clients that, that prove that you believe that, right? Cause it's not just words you put on, on a piece of paper and then you, sh you file away forever there, you know, you actually want to act on these things, these beliefs and these values, right? So making that clear is really, really important. Absolutely. And, and be, you know, I, I, we don't do any mission vision value work in our studio mm. to me. That's, that's so much more, um, and you know, to each their own, but for us, it's not so actionable, right? And if you're good to your website, people often confuse your mission or your vision as copy for your website. Yeah. You know, oh, I've got it written. I'm going to tell people where I see my business going and how I see the world changing by what we do, or you know, our our mission is to make things better. But that's not telling the person why they care. You know, what's in it for me is really that filter that you have to put every single thing that you do. And so, when you have a brand point of view, and when you're talking about you know, the, that big why behind your brand, you want to connect it with your consumer because they're looking at this going, why, why do I care? Like what's in it for me? What am I getting out of it? So that's where that brand point of view can be really helpful. And speaking of why we care, you know, think about your key value props. Why should anyone care about it? What's going to pull on their heartstrings, tempt their intellect, make them feel great buying your product or engaging with your service. And also, you know, this is where you can dig into your competitive set a little bit too. You know, your value prop has got to be different than everyone else's value prop. So be really mindful of what are those things that are checking that box of what's in it for me, for your consumer. 
Um, and I know, you know, we're talking about B2B, we're talking about brands that are offering you know, a service um, or software as a service, or maybe, you know, this is an accounting team, et cetera. But people are people. And I think every brand is B2P. At the end of the day, you are connecting with a human and that human, you need to understand things like what generation are they from? What kind of technology do they engage with? You know, why is your product or service really going to be a benefit and help them have a better life? And think about that from the, from their perspective. Oh, why do they care? I love that. And you want one of the things I find so interesting, and you touched on that about the generation they're from, right? There's all these interesting studies um, that you can find on the internet or whatever. I'm sure you guys are so intimate with it. With you know, depending on what generation you belong to, you know how like how individuals perceive brands. Do they tr like? Do they trust? What's the level of trust? Because if you're mm -hmm. You're talking to boomers versus millennials. And this is where I think the magic of the brand really comes in, right? Because the look, the feel, the actual like imagery and the copy that you use are going to play into that. And I'm so excited for you to show us how this stuff comes to life. But keep going, keep going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And also too, like like 90% of millennials crave an authentic experience with a brand. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you a lot of B2B businesses don't know what that means for them. Yeah. You know, if you can't say what's authentic about your brand and you're looking like everyone else or you're just trying to look professional, then you're missing a huge opportunity to be, you know, a founder-driven brand that people actually connect with and that they have a value and they want to support you and your business. Yeah. Um, you know, we we spent so a lot of our work is in the consumer space. We do a lot of work in food and beverage, restaurants, wine and spirits. Yeah. Um, and that's why B2B businesses love working with us because we bring that personality into business and we allow you, I always say like, show a little leg, yeah. <laughs> you know, like cool. be yourself. I truly believe you can be yourself in business and still be successful. And in fact, be even more successful because of it. Absolutely. And that, and that I think is like where opportunity comes in, right? Because as you said, and I can't wait to see these examples that you pulled, but like with everyone pulling, playing it safe, right? For for you to be a B2B brand, for example, that kind of takes a, a page out of the playbook for the direct-to-consumers, for example, like how much yeah. you'll stand out, that differentiation, right? Um, and again, in this crowded market space, that's worth everything, right? Because it's going to grab people's attention. Oh, and I love it. Talk to us about brand. <laughs> the brand voice. You know, you really want to think about how you keep your voice consistent, how it translates all of those feelings from that step one, that brand spirit and North Star into a really relatable approach as to how you speak to your customers. You know, it's going to set a tone for your look and feel. Is your brand intense? Is it approachable? Is it competitive? That voice work is groundwork for not just what you say and how you say it, but actually what your brand looks like too. And you know, as a designer, I really love when we do our, our voice in the brand strategy phase because that's going to tell me exactly what your brand looks like. So for example, one of your core tenants or core key talking points might be, well, we have efficient delivery of these widgets. And it's like, that's a really important thing to say about your brand. But how are you going to say it? Are you going to say it in like a really like pumped up, amped way? <laughs> or, you know, like, and, but if you're like efficient widget delivery, what does that even look like? But if you tell me this is a brand that is confident, that it is, you know, 
has kinetic, that it's really inspired, those have design cues. So now I know this brand is going to have bold colors, high contrast, lots of, you know, moxie in its visuals. It's going to have passion as, you know, it's going to look like energetic. And then I say, oh yeah, we're delivering the widgets, but we're doing it in a really fast, cool way. Got it. So from a design perspective, this brand voice actually is just as important for the visuals as it is for how you write your copy. You know, and and we'll show you some examples of that in a little bit as well. I I do want to go on that for one second though, because 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 I knew that we were going to be having this session, I've been paying attention to this a little bit more in the past week, and I've run across two or three brands, and these are like um, like promoted videos on on social, right? So it's like their ads, and what I've have I've seen a, a couple like really glaring kind of mismatch in the visuals and the brand voice. So for example, I saw one product the other day that was this really beautiful stones that looked kind of like stones you'd see in the spa and they have all these kind of interesting use cases for, you know, the stone dries very quickly and it's very beautiful. So you feel like the brand look and feel was very like spa feeling, right? But the voice was this like sarcastic kind of jokey kind of kind of thing. And for me, I just thought like, wow, there's such like a mismatch with what I'm seeing and the design the design of the product and how the website feels and all of that stuff versus the words that are coming out of the mouth and this advertisement or the actual copy, right? And you want that to be that fit, which is what you were just talking about, right? Because you want all of this to make sense. Because at yeah. the end of the day, that's what's going to, that consistency in the voice and the visuals builds that, the strength of the brand, right? Because people know what to expect um, and getting it wrong, it feels awkward. Like yeah. the customer and the client feels it, you know? Yeah, it'd be like going to a house party and you come in and speak to one person in your British accent and then yeah. you go to the next one and you talk like a football player and then you yeah. go to the next one. You know, it's like you, it, that consistency really blends into a broader idea of trustability, right? And confidence yeah. in that brand, so. Yeah. So really knowing your brand voice before you put, you know, I like to say pen to pixel, like before you even begin to think about your visual identity um, is really important. So it keeps you unlocked and it needs to grow out of those original pieces about your brand spirit, about your value props, about your differentiators. All of these pieces, you know, need to be based on top of one another. And then lastly, you know, yeah. So, so far, everything we've talked about is really internal, right? Uh, they're the guiding principles for how you make choices about your brand. You would not ever tell someone, hey, my brand voice is this. You know, one time we did a, a one of our core talking points or the spirit of the brand for a client was confidence. And, and you would never walk up to someone at a house party and be like, hi, I'm Scout. I'm confident. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like one of those things, you just never say it out loud. It needs to resonate and help you make choices. Um, but what happens then is now we're going to convert all of that into external messaging. And so based on these decision-making you know, tools, then I want you to go ahead and create your brand messaging, have your brand pieces ready to go uh, based on all of the things that we did. Take those four key talking points, give yourself a few sentences about them, blend them into one bigger brand statement, your about statement. Um, I recommend having a full suite of your about statement as it would live on your website, your about statement as it lives on your LinkedIn. Understand how that statement is different between your customers, the media, and your investors if you're looking to grow and get some financing as well. Um, So really have 
you know, different versions of your about statement for different things ready to go. Keep it in your pocket at all time. If you do not have a brand messaging deck already, this is something that I really want you to create. And I want you to not create it until you've gone through the first six right. steps um, yeah. and really give yourself, you know, key messaging. We also give our clients, you know, 10 to 15 of what we call our power statements or taglines. And, you know, they're the just do it's of your brand that are based on those talking points and they really bring them to life. So you'll be able to see how you can convey all of that quickly, not only visually, but with your words as well. Mm -hmm. All right. So now we have, you know, we talked about the makings of a great brand, those foundational pieces. Let's dive into what makes a brand great. And these are some ways that you can look back on your brand. You can look back on other brands uh, and, and really say, like, are they doing it right? And so I'm going to walk you through a handful of ways that I judge brands. And then we're going to roast a couple of brands. Oh, <laughs> I shouldn't say roast. Yeah. Maybe we'll roast. Um, so, so really, you know, the very first basics, when you're looking at someone's branding, and I'm showing some websites with this. If you're listening to audio, um, you know, I'll, I'll go through some examples of how this comes to life, but really you have to ask yourself about evaluating branding. Does this brand make it easy? Is it abundantly clear what this company offers and its value at a glance? In the blink of an eye, you need to know what it is that they do, what they're gonna do for you. Um, and I have on screen an example of a project management tool. I think this might be Asana. Um, yeah, and you know they say manage projects efficiently even when priorities shift. I don't know that they're doing a great job here. I think I understand what it is that they're doing, but um, the value of it is is kind of missing for me. Yeah. Um, they, you know, they get a little bit into it, but you just have to make sure that your brand, your brand messaging, your marketing pieces really make it super abundantly clear immediately. What do you do, and why do I care? Yeah. Well, I again, like, and how could this evolve, right? Because I think like this statement manage projects efficiently going back to what you said about why should they care you know do you think that your person is sitting there i've never sat looking for a project management tool saying which one of these are going to be most efficient it's actually not something that i would ever think of what mm -hmm. i think of is like can there be a project management tool that doesn't make my eyes go crossed and make me want to pull out my <laughs> kind of thing and i don't know if efficiency is really what's hitting with my my heartstrings, right? Or what's hitting with really what's piquing my interest. Now yeah. here, like obviously saying, okay, you're talking to someone that wants efficiency and their priorities are shifting a lot. Um, okay, maybe that's the person, but I think, as you said, I wanna choose a project management tool that's gonna be easy, easy to adopt for my team, easy for me to, like so easy for me to just check in and out of and get those status, the status quickly. So this is a very good example of what you have on the team because uh, on the screen, it says manage projects efficiently, even when priorities shift. That bit of text is so freaking important because that's probably mm -hmm. what everyone's gonna read and whether it pings them um, inside or not depends on whether they're gonna read anything more, right? So this is where all this stuff really, really turns into conversions, right? Absolutely. And we were talking about, you know, that that point of view, I get no point of view from this. Mm -hmm. This brand does not say, hey, project management should be easier. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like all of us have enough going on. This should yeah. be easier for you. Like there, there's so much opportunity here to, to really dig into those basics. Yeah. But just to recap, you know, step one, asking yourself, does the brand make it easy? Are they abundantly clear what they do and why I should care? 
at a glance. Mm. Another thing I, I like to think about is that brand culture. Asking yourself, does this brand express a culture? And I'm going to tell you, most B2B businesses absolutely do not. And there is huge opportunity in the space. Uh, so I have a photo pulled up right now of Liquid Death Mountain Water, which um, if you, unless you live under a rock, you've probably heard of Liquid Death. Um, but, you know, Liquid Death and like something I want you to think about for other brands is, is this brand inviting you to be part of something bigger? And do you see how the right consumer is going to look at this and think, wow, that's a brand for people like me. <laughs> like, like unless someone can have that aha moment of this fits into my lifestyle. And then you think about that consumer insight and how you are checking that box. And this is not, you know, I did say it has to be appropriate for the right consumer, um, but lean into a culture for your brand. Don't be afraid to have a point of view for your brand that people can say, I want to be part of that. That can be something for people like me in my business. And I've been doing this for 20 years. I just in the last year, I realized how much that for us, it is founder driven brands. Mm -hmm. And I, as much as I try to land those giant businesses, Hey, big companies hiring. I don't love that work. I love working with people who have built something from the ground up, scrappy founders who are driven. And so you know, when you come to our website, you're going to see that it is all about founder-driven brands and that it's the place for people who are making a change yes. and all of that. So think about, you know, if someone's looking at your brand, your product, your service, and they're saying, wow, that's for people like me. Who are they? What is that culture that this brand expresses? Um, we do a lot of counterculture branding here at the studio. And sometimes we'll take someone like, uh, we worked with a company called Bamco and they're a promotional product business. And like every other promo product company, they're putting logos on water bottles. But we actually realized that they had just this huge culture of impact and that they're solution driven. And, you know, for example, during the pandemic when Peloton was um, losing customers left and right because their bikes were taking like six months or yeah. nine months to people. They were, their attrition was like 70, like like 50% of people were canceling their orders. And this company, this promotional product company, didn't just give them water bottles. They gave them an entire promotional product solution that saved their attrition rate by 17% because you would sign up for your bike. And then a few weeks later, you get this beautiful box in the mail. Yeah. You'd have this like page, beautiful magazine with stories of all of the people who are the instructors. And then you could scan the QR code and select your $300 sweatshirt for free, you know? So, so that's, you know, so we built this culture of change makers and being independent and gave this very counterculture brand in a sea of people who are like, I'll get you 80 bottles for $20, you know? So, so that's where you can really see that culture infusing. So are you doing something different? Are you a little bit of a counterculture? If not, who is the culture that your brand belongs to? And don't be afraid to show that. So that's something I ask myself when I'm evaluating other brands. I I love that. And, and just back on that point, though, because I think something I rub up against with founders, and maybe you can just speak for one second on this, is the sometimes there's a hesitancy or a fear of doubling down on this because there's this idea of wanting to capture more opportunities, right? Um, what do you think are the benefits from honing in on this culture and who you're for rather than keeping that more open? Yeah. I mean, there's certainly playing it safe, right? Like there's the opportunity to say, well, I want to get, I want to get 10% of everyone in the world. Right. But what I want is to get a hundred percent of your 10% because that 10% is going to tell everyone they know about you. 
Yeah. You know, so for example, I just signed up for a new payment partner for my studio and they have just met me where I need to be. They've been amazing. They're making it so easy for our customers to pay or do a payment plan or auto pay, et cetera. And I just went onto this Slack channel of other, you know, creative agency founders. And I was like, dude, you guys got to get this service. It's so good because I am their 10%. And that makes me this evangelist and this super fan of your brand. So, so I, I do, you know, I understand the risk and it's so clear looking at B2B business culture that everyone is just doing the same things everyone else because they're afraid to stand out. But in my, from my perspective, it really is such a value to have your customer, not just some of every customer. Yes. I love that. Awesome. So the next thing I look at when I'm evaluating a brand is, um, does it play to your ego? Does it make you feel good about yourself for choosing it? Um, mm. So I have pulled up the website for Chief, which is a, a woman founder or woman executive networking club that a lot of people know about. Uh, and it says, women have always been powerful. Mm. That's their mic drop headline. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I see that brand and I think, heck, yeah, we have. Uh-huh. I'm a female <laughs> founder and I want to be part of that. Um, yeah. So, you know, there has to be a little bit of swagger in your brand to make people mm-hmm. proud of the fact that they own that. You know, I considered for this slide putting a photo of someone wearing an Apple Watch. You know, like, what are those brands that we really connect with that connect to our lifestyle but also make us feel a little extra special because we're part of it? Uh, mm-hmm. If you can build that kind of membership vibe, that feeling of of I'm, I'm the best of the best because I affiliate myself with this brand, then it's a really great brand. You know, it's that's so- a great opportunity. It's so powerful. I'm going to give you like a, a real life example. Um, so I do like one of my my big passions. I'm a CrossFitter, right? So I, I have that identity. And mm-hmm. I remember I was wearing, I'm not wearing it now, but they have this, you know, there's a lot of sleep trackers and, and calorie trackers and all of these things um, out there, right? Apple Watch can do that and Fitbit. But like all of the athletes wear the Whoop. It's called the Whoop, right? It's just like a black band. It has a very like a like very specific design, like a very recognizable design. And I remember being at a networking event once with the, you know, with a panel of speakers or whatever. And one of the panelists I was chatting with and they recognized that I was with the whoop. And and it was so powerful and so interesting because we connected on this level of like, I know who you are in a way because of this, right? Um and another, you know, other brands that do a really great job aligning themselves with their community, like kind of like being a part of something bigger, just like in the liquid death, you know, if you're, you know, if you think of yourself as a musician, for example, because that's like the ethos of the brand, that's like the the origin of the brand, you're wow. going to feel part of that bigger culture when you have that in your hand. And that's, that's what you dream of. That's what the dream of a good brand branding does, right? Just like Apple. You know, you feel, you feel more creative. You feel like you are fulfilling your wildest dreams because this brand helps you to, to like integrate all of that into your life. Right. Um, so yeah. I love the idea of the, of the ego, because I think that's where it crosses over from the imagery and the pictures or whatever to you actually affecting how someone feels when they interact with your brand. Right. Yeah. Or like, and even when it comes to like, you know, software as a service. We, for like eight years, used a service called FlowDoc here at our studio for our group chat. 
and we would chat with each other all the time. And then one day I did a trial for Slack. And then all of a sudden we were a Slack company and Slack is yeah, yeah. cool. And then yeah. now I have like other communities in my Slack or like all the coolest communities that I know have a right. Slack channel. I can like pop over there for a few minutes. And so like even, you know, that brand placed my ego and, it, and to a certain extent it's because it's so ubiquitous and because it's right. really like the, the premium product within that industry. But it also made me feel good to say, oh, I'm going to slack you <laughs> versus flow you, which is always a dumb word. Exactly. But <laughs> think about this. Microsoft Teams. Yeah. That is not right. for cool, hip, young, vibrant yeah. startups, founders, right? But again, yeah. like being able to say like, just slack me as as the founder of the agency, doesn't it make you feel like you've built something that is like all of the stuff associated with that, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's very powerful. So make people feel great, you know, really make sure there's something about your brand that plays into folks' ego. And then of course, this is, you know, kind of the cost of doing business, but Ask yourself, does a good brand differentiate? Does it feel distinctive? You know, does it convey a sense of style and a unique personality? Or is it super overly trendy and generic? Um, I'm just going to skip to the next slide. So, um, you know, right here on, on the screen, I have an example of Calendly. It's a little poppy. It's got, you know, little colorful headshots of people floating around it um, in some different colors. But I did a little bit of a scan of other B2B websites. And so here you're going to see Calendly, Toast, Salesforce, Opportune, Accessibility, Action Opportunity Fund. And this is six websites that if I, and this is one of my, my rules I use for branding too, if I could retype your name into someone else's name and it works, you don't have a brand, you have a logo. Yeah. And the same thing, like I could so easily put the Toast, which is a service for, service for restaurants on the Salesforce website and swap their logos and it would kind of work, you know, same thing for Calendly versus Salesforce. Like everyone's got literally the exact same website design. And I know somewhere some UX designers saying, well, this has been proven to be most effective scientifically. And this is how we convert people and that button on the top right. And, and I get there's a science behind it, but also like what happens when you go to a site that looks completely different? Yes. That stands okay. out. And that is still- you know, I'll tell you what happens is there's no loyalty. So I think Calumly, I love that you brought up this example because I wonder how, I mean, for me, I've been very uh, not loyal to my, my uh, scheduling tool. Like to me, mm -hmm. they're all interchangeable. And when you think of different, like different products or services within different categories, you know, a lot of them and maybe actually the execution of it is not very interchangeable. But the brand will make you feel like there's something unique or different. And that will help with loyalty. That will help with, you know, um, the the advocate, like advocate, like advocation, those are having people be advocates for your brand, like what you said, shouting it from the rooftops. And this is such a, I mean, this is such an interesting exercise I, for everyone <laughs> looking at this visually, this is such an interesting exercise because really you could swap out any of these homepages. And I tell you, Tori, I spent like two hours yesterday trying to find brands that didn't look like this in the B2B world. And this is, you know, for those of you listening at home, I have a scheduling service. I have a way for restaurants to do orders within their restaurant software for ordering at restaurants. I've got Salesforce, you know, which is a sales CRM. Mm -hmm. I've got a way to Opportune, which is like a loan and money management and saving software. I've got uh, Accessibility, which is a website for making websites more accessible. I've got yeah. the 
um, Action Opportunity Fund, which is, you know, small business loans. Every single goddamn site looks yeah. exactly the same. It is ridiculous. So ask yourself, you know, what makes this brand different? And and I am I would give every single one of these brands an F when it comes to differentiating. <laughs> yeah. I think you know some of it too is is one thing that's really important on the web is accessibility mm. and making sure sites have high contrast and are easy to read and they work with screen readers and etc. Um, but you there are tools now. In fact, accessibility is the tool um, I'm showing here that will allow you to ch take a more engaging visually different website and make it very accessible for everyone across the web using AI. So don't let that be an excuse. Show a little leg, people. Come on. Yeah, I love it. So now, based on those criteria, I thought, Tori, you and I could go through and ask ourselves about a couple sites. So the first brand I pulled up was Slack. And so this is the Slack homepage. So take a look at the web Slack homepage. Um, so do these guys have a, a clear and valuable offering? Well, it definitely looks different than the other side. Definitely is not looking like that interchangeable B2B, right? Because we've got some colors that pop. Um, made for people, built for productivity. I think it's such an interesting like exercise just to look at these headers and say, like, does it mean anything to you, right? Move faster. I don't know what they offer. Yeah. Like, it says made for people, built for productivity, and it says move faster with your tools in one place. I I cannot tell you, like, it does look cooler by, like, five degrees than the other things because yeah. it has purple background. Yeah. But I don't, it doesn't tell me anywhere that this is a group chat program. No. And also, I mean, like, we obviously have this emotional connection to Slack, which I think was built more on the backs of their, it's kind of their network effect that's built into what their product is, right? Um, yeah. And it's spread by word of mouth which is amazing because the product is really good. But on the front end, you're right. It's not really dazzling. I don't know and in I, one second even what it is. If I if my mom was looking at this, I don't think she would know what the F Slack does. Yeah, you and know? there's a couple screenshots that kind of show you like people talking, but, and, and I think really they're leaning on the fact that everyone already knows what it is, right? Like Slack okay. is ubiquitous. But yeah, I, I, so I don't think they're very clear about their offering and the value behind it. Um, they're saying this makes you more produ you know, productive, but I don't know. Um, do they express a culture? Is there any culture vibes here? No, but it's it's so interesting because like they're totally not leaning into the huge pain points that they relieve for folks, right? It's like get out of your inbox with like a hundred million messages, keep everything organized. And I think that this culture that you and I were like feeling so connected to in terms of like you know, the the coolest startups, like all of the young, vibrant teams that all the remote, all the global teams, all I said, everyone's on Slack, but you don't see any of that here, you know, mm -hmm. any of that yeah, here. Not really even missing their, yeah, not even in the logos that they have. I mean, yes, NASA, you know, I don't know if that speaks. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, does it play to their target audience's ego? And this is interesting because I literally just said how much I felt cooler for using Slack. But Ooh. looking at their marketing, I don't, I don't know that I would be like, oh, that's for people like me. It's just yeah, so generic. Yeah. It's like every other B two B website. It is sans serif type with big letters and then a ooh a background color, ooh a shape. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not seeing a lot of ego here. Um, it does feel a little distinctive though. And I think that's the last key, right? Like it does feel slightly more distinctive than folks like we have here in the, um, yeah. 
an old blue and white <laughs> website land. Yeah. But see, but uh, think about how much fun, I mean, I go, you guys would have a field day, like how much fun you would have with the logo and like integrating it into other pieces of the site. It's so colorful. It's, it's very, it's so recognizable. Like there's so many ways that they could be creative here and they're just, again, they're playing it safe or they have this really great word of mouth network effect that they just don't, they don't need, I don't know, the front end. I mean, all businesses need that front end. So. Yeah. yeah. All right, let's move on. So then I took a look at MailChimp. Oh, this is, um, this is now Intuit MailChimp. Um, wow. And their website is, this is their homepage. It's um, a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, from a brand perspective, I mean, I feel like they're, again, like another very ubiquitous brand. Everyone knows about MailChimp. Um, do they have a clear and valuable offering? You know, their headline's pretty good. Turn emails into money, right? Like it says, turn emails into revenue. Win new customers with the number one email marketing and automations brand that recommends ways to get more opens, clicks, and sales. So, yeah, I'm seeing a little bit of that uh, clear offering. They're telling me it's valuable. Also, apologize if you can hear the train. They got a Chicago train right next to our studio. Uh, but I'm not, I'm seeing zero culture. Yeah. I'm not feeling like I would be cooler for using this product. Their brand looks, I mean, this is a very Microsoft brand, right? And then again, Intuit is not a cool company. And no. so I feel like MailChimp has been intuited a little bit, yeah. <laughs> if I can turn it into a verb. Um, so but I'm not, MailChimp I'm, used to be so cool. So I, I remember, I don't know if you, if you, I don't know if you were using MailChimp, but about 10 years ago, okay, maybe 10 years ago, I feel like I was one of the first like real MailChimp users. And I don't know, maybe, I don't know, in the first couple of years. And I remember just because I had an account, that, again, like 10, maybe even 11 or 12 years ago, I remember they sent me a t-shirt with a big, <laughs> their logo on it. And it was such a good quality t-shirt. And it was one of these things of like, holy shit. Like this, like, how did they get the, how did they have my email about my, my physical home address? And like, I was so delighted by this and I felt like their branding previously, it had, it had all of the makings of building this like cult following that they have now. Like it was different. Yeah. It was funny. It was cheeky. It was this, I mean, obviously a big acquisition like Intuit is going to change that vibe, but I, I feel like this is a very clear example of like the bra, the brand helped to build that culture. Unlike Slack, where they're, I never knew anything great about their branding, but at, at MailChimp, and talk about cheeky, talk about doing something different, right? It's like a freaking monkey, right? It's different yeah. than constant contact, for example, right? Um, that's that's what's so disappointing is like they, they did have some quirkiness and playfulness to this brand, and now it has just been fully sucked out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And then this is uh, Squarespace. So <laughs> pardon me. Squarespace is a website for websites. It's a website yeah. for small businesses and founder driven brands kind of like ours. Um, so in their website, there's a lot more to this site than what you see here. Um, but do they have a clear and valuable offering? It says a website makes it real, which I think is a really emotional, a big emotional driver as a person who, you know, I call, I call our branding moments uh, a Pinocchio moment when we reveal the big brand for a business because they're like, oh, I'm a real boy, Geppetto. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. like, 
I, that that headline really resonates with me personally because that's that that's the gift of brand and design um, into a website. You know, to like the second you have a website, you have a real company. Um, so I do think they are offering that clear and valuable uh, offering. I think they, you know, as you go through the Squarespace site, this is just kind of one vignette. There are many vignettes on the site that you go through, um, and they do have a vibe and a culture. It's very high style, like it's an elevated look and feel. You want to be part of it. It's very retail kind of oriented because they have a lot of retail sites they're going for. Um, you know, I think it does play to my ego. It makes me feel like this is a more sophisticated B2B site, especially when you look at everything else that's out there. I, I come here and I think my site's not going to look like all those other websites. Mm -hmm. And that is their, that's really the key value prop that they have. Um, and then and I, feel love, just yeah. I think it's also a really good example. Like I love using, and I always tell this to the founders that I mentor, um, but this is a, another example, like CRMs, right? If, if you're like a CRM or a website builder site, right? You could service everyone, but to be able to stand up and say, like I am the CRM for lawyers or mm -hmm. I am the website builder for e-commerce, right? Once you start narrowing in on that, again, you get that hell yeah by the people that you serve because yes, could a lawyer use MailChimp? Okay, sure, fine. It's going to practically do all the same things. But when you, when you create a brand around who are these people, who are your people, and that resonates through all of this communication, a, your conversion rate is going to be much higher because they're going to mm -hmm. look and say, this is for me. That's the 100% of the 10%. And Squarespace yeah. does that so well because you look at Wix. A Wix is, as we say in Miami, un poco de todo. Like, they've got everything. They've got hotels. They've got e-com. They're trying to capture everyone. But Squarespace has come out, I think, as the front runner. Like for e-commerce, like if you're not on Squarespace, like it is really ubiquitous with having a professional e-commerce business like they're the front runners they're the creme de la creme and yeah but yeah oh sorry yeah no so actually i'm thinking more of square of shopify for that yeah yeah but i still like squarespace is for someone who wants a site that's gonna look polished yes you're right you're right you're right and that's has that elevated moment uh which is super important and like yeah i think compared to wix like come on who would you rather work with Exactly. And I know some people might be thinking, well, I, you know, my target audience is more established professionals are probably in their 40s or 50s. So they might not want to do something super trendy. I think that's BS. I think that Gen Z, older Gen Z and younger millennials are early adopters that then make it cool for everyone else. Mm -hmm. You know, so you think about not, not every product is like this, but a lot of products, if you can get those younger people, like my team was using Slack before I was, you know, and I have my Gen Z employees. Yeah. Yeah. And when you when you appeal to younger demographics, it kind of goes up the food up the food chain of age. Mm -hmm. I agree, <laughs> which is you know not a really great euphemism, but uh, we're gonna coin that. We're gonna make T-shirts the food chain of age. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> um, and then before we wrap it up, I just I thought it'd be helpful to walk through you know both that foundational phase that we talked about, and then how do we judge brands, et cetera, and just show you a case study of a B two B brand that we created here. Yes. So this was a case study for Halva LLP, and Halva LLP is a New York City-based law firm specializing in intellectual property and business law for emerging and evolving companies. Oh, um, this is going to so, be juicy. This looks really boring, but I'm sure you made it fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm excited. So our, our whole opportunity was to craft a bold identity for a, a woman-led firm that really wanted to stand out. Uh, Wendy Halva is one of the most like amazing IP attorneys in New York. And she had a, a reputation for working with artists, 
really, really creative, creative class people, uh, but across industries as well. And it was time for her to leave her current firm and go out on her own. So she wanted to craft a brand that was her brand for her law firm. And it was also going to be an all woman law firm. So we knew from the very beginning that we wanted to stand out and not look like the old boys club. Uh, so just some considerations before I dig into what it looked like. You know, we knew that this had to be a really delicate balance between being powerful and empowering and outsiders versus insiders, which is a really interesting thing that came out of our discovery and our conversations with Wendy and her team. Uh, we wanted to have a dash of disruption, but we still need to be super legitimate in a very conservative industry. Law is an extremely conservative industry. So we wanted to, you know, have that personality that I've been talking about, but not too much. Like we respect their, their guardrails, especially in B2B. Uh, we wanted it to have some teeth, be a little mm. bit edgy. We wanted to cast Wendy as a trailblazer. And she is. So it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and then voice is really, really key with this brand. Uh, this industry uses such similar language. The style had to shine through everything that we do. Like a law firm was style con. Have you ever seen that in your entire life? Yeah. <laughs> and we took a look at the competition. Look at this. Look, Farber, our clients are innovators. This is all taken from their websites. Cooley, LLP. Our clients are innovators and disruptors. JRM, lawyers for innovators. And they yeah. trademarked it. <laughs> That's trademarked. So all of, all of these are trademarked by respective owners. Please yeah. don't assume me. Uh, but <laughs> it was that the competition was just like, we work with innovative people. We work with innovative people. We, yeah. we work with innovative people. So we knew we were not going to dip our toe into that. So the big idea for Wendy's firm was that we're building something bigger or so, we're building something better together. So this is a brand that's about activity. It is about you and I are on the same team. We are growing something big together. The voice then landed on this like super motivated, cool headed, but also smart yeah. like yeah, really brilliant, brilliant brand. And for the mark, you know, we ended up with this very kind of fashion inspired logo mark. It says how LLP law firm, New York. It has this beautiful H that was inspired by the scales of justice. So we oh, took the scales yeah. of justice, flipped them upside down to create this very fashion inspired Mark, you know, it's it's motivated, it's cool, it has like this blend of, um, you know, kind of like angular lines, nothing like you've ever seen for a law firm. I love the brand. The brand wallet or wardrobe, uh, as we say, it was, you know, it's like condensed, all caps, uh, serif typeface. The colors were very black and like this warm gray green color, cream, mm -hmm. and then like a little like soft lime and an orange, which is just like, again, you've never seen anything like this in law. Um, yeah. We were inspired by kind of like fashion, black and white uh, photography as well. Yeah. And you see how this palette comes together in oh, wow. her letterhead, which is like really clean and sophisticated, um, super straightforward. We also went out to New York and did this really awesome photo shoot where everything was very fashion inspired. That's mm -hmm. Wendy on the right with her team. Yeah. We did shots in New York. So like just her website is filled with images of her like walking across these crosswalks in New York City. Everything's black and white or kind of like, it's like dark blue, green and white. Everyone just looks like a total badass. Yes, and, absolutely. And, I love this. This is so this cool. Opposite of feminine, like which, you know, as an all woman law firm, like of course there's, <laughs> we were talking a lot about how like this is the exact opposite of boss bitch. Like there's yeah. a Part of my potty mouth, but like there's you know, a lot of women law firms are like 
18 girls in pink suits and power poses. Yeah. And yeah. this was never going to be that. Like, this is New York City, baby. Like, we are just, we're cool. We're just cool. Yes. Oh, I love it. The website, you know, shows one of our power statements, serving independent spirits. Mm. And so this website is all black and gray. It has like her logo mark, little hints of that lime green. Yeah. Uh, very clean, sophisticated, but not super counterculture, just a little edgy. And then just when they favorite- bit. And the black still, and the black, yeah, sorry, I was going to say the black really anchors it too. So it gives it that seriousness, right? Um, yeah. Which I love, I love. And the copy is really inspiring. So we wanted to blend in this balance. And what I love about brand is that you could have this balance between the, the tone of voice and the visuals. So the messaging and the copywriting is really inspiring, but then the the brand is very professional and kind of grounded and and, and a little moody and playful. Um, and then we wrote her a manifesto because oh. why not, right? Oh. And so the manifesto lives on her site. It says, we are building something better together, something bigger for all of us. Here we celebrate independent spirit and show the courage of our convictions. No shortcuts, no half measures. We keep, or no hedging bets. We keep moving forward. We embrace candor. We listen, we hear, we care for one another and we deeply respect curiosity. These are the values that drive us. This is how our clients feel confident. This is how our clients get the right answers. This is how we can all win together. That's really nice. So I love a good manifesto. Yeah. Uh, so that's a great example of kind of how we bring brand all full circle and yeah. let someone stand out in a way that's super on brand. Yeah. And, and again, like talking about who they serve, like going right back to the customer, you can tell, you can see how this site and this brand that you created speaks more to innovators than simply saying we work for innovators. Like we represent innovators, right? Which the other brands are doing. You're kind of showing and not telling, right? Which is such an yeah. important thing to do with brand. This yeah. is so great. Well, I'm I'm so so what's the website? So if anyone listening wants to check out the actual site, they can go to the URL and they can take a peek at what the branding looks yeah. like. It's it's Heilbutt L L P H E I L B U T Heilbutt L L P dot com. Okay. And okay. I, well. I cannot recommend Wendy enough. She is truly an independent spirit. And her her discovery was so exciting because she's just like this power New York woman. But she grew up like almost on like a a collective in the country, like, like wandering around the field. Like she, she has like a really unorthodox kind of hippie upbringing. Wow. And then now she's like this, you know, Manhattanite power IP lawyer. Like anyway, she brings all of that to the table. And so like, there's just such an amazing heart in how she works with people that yeah. even though it's this very urbane and urban brand, she is just super grounded and crazy, easy to speak with and work with and a lot of heart. And so all of that comes through in, in her brand. But that is a very I love that as an example because I think everyone can can see like law like <laughs> lawyers in general like it's it seems like a, a very boring a very mundane everyone is doing all the same and you kind of don't even see where the opportunity is but going through this exercise with you just now I hope this has unlocked for people that no matter what their vertical is and what their product or service is there is opportunity right? To tell your story and to have your brand be something that is unique and sells and, and sells to the right people, right? That the brand can help sell for you because someone's going to come, they're going to see, they're going to read, they're going to feel, and they're going to say, that is for me, right? Yeah. That hundred percent of that 10% is, 
is what you want your brand to speak to. So Scout, this has been so cool. This has been such a great insight into your process because I think, again, a lot of us, when we do brand, yeah, maybe we have a logo. I think like we make some abstract mission or vision, but what you've showed us today really like puts all of the puzzle pieces together, right? It's like, we're doing this pre-work and a lot of people will just stop at the pre-work because they don't know how to bridge that gap. So in with that, could you share a little bit about how, like if someone wanted to work with you in your studio, what does that look like? And then how can people kind of follow you and all you're doing? Cause you share great stuff on social. So where do you like to hang out? But I think before you kind of share all those details, I think founders would like to say like, practically, what does it mean? What are the steps? How long does it take? Um, yeah. Right. What do they need to prepare? Because maybe some founders are thinking like, gosh, like I don't even know what my brand personality would be. Like, I don't even know where to start. So what does the process look like to work with you guys? Yeah, great question. Um, back to the homework, literally nothing. It is in you already. Like yeah. we have our clients do no homework. We spend about 60, 90 minutes talking with you and getting to know your brand um, and your backstory and who you are as a human. Like we really believe that founders have to be able to walk around in that brand. Um, mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's never going to work right? Like you have to feel great about your brand. So you have to thread the needle between something that is appealing to your core audience, makes them want to click that button, but also something that feels really good and authentic to you. You know, so we're designing a brand for, it's, it's a really fun, it's in the spirits world, but it's a consumer brand. And it's for two people who are, you know, they're, they're kind of conservative. I mean, they, they are very <laughs> upper West side, like, buttoned up and then the brand and the product is really fun and playful. And so we were like, how do we still make this a product that when they're at the trade show, they feel good, you know, like yeah, they feel yeah, like they're yeah, in yeah. So, so much of our discovery work really leans into your own personal story, your motivation, your journey on top of your product and service. Cause again, like it's not, it's not what you're doing. It's how you make people feel and how mm -hmm. you make people feel organically within you. Um, so that said, you know, we always begin with that discovery interview get to know founders. Um, and then we move into that brand strategy phase where, you know, I, I laid it all out here. Like everything I showed you is pretty much what we do here at the studio. So we're going to take mm -hmm. a look at your brand spirit, your point of view, your core talking points or tenants, we call them. Uh, we're going to get into, you know, that voice work and how your brand sounds and feels. We're also going to develop a full messaging platform for you. So you're going to have like that deck of like, okay, here's what I give to PR. Here's what I give to, you know, that investor I'm pitching next week. Um, and so you have all that messaging and I, we do all of that before we even begin to think about the visuals for your brand. That part of the process is three to four weeks. And then the whole process all told is eight to 12 weeks. So at that point, my team takes all of that amazing approved brand strategy. We know exactly what we're doing. We put heads down, we kind of bury ostrich for four or five weeks and we come back with three fully fleshed out brands for you to review. And that includes logos, secondary marks, tertiary marks, that palette that I showed you guys, but you're going to see real world test projects. So you're going to see, you know, four or five examples of your brand coming to life. I like to do something on the web, something in print, and then usually something experiential. So something like at a trade show or in a space, mm -hmm. you know, it makes sense for your brand. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really so our team can visualize and put together all of our pieces, stress test them, but so that you can see that brand coming to life. And it's not just yeah. fonts and logos on the page. It's like a whole brand. Um, and then, you know, you're 
you're left with a fully actualized brand standards that blends all those pieces together. So you're going to see your positioning statements. You're going to see all of your compass work or that brand strategy. Um, and it, you, you leave knowing what the choices are, <laughs> what's the right choice for your brand from here on out. And it's incredibly powerful and it makes everything in your marketing easier, faster, more consistent, more effective um, from here on out. That's awesome. So that's still how we work with clients. I love it. And then, of course, you can play around your website, which is such a cool website, but you can see like so many examples of what you got and the work that you guys have done. So share the URL for the website. We'll also put it in the show notes but for anyone listening. And also, where can everyone find you and hang out with you online? Yeah. Our website is designscout.com. And uh, on there, I highly encourage you to check out our video, which is really fun to make. It's where you so go through fun. Our brands it. We've worked with. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's very Wes Anderson inspired, but it was before the whole Wes Anderson internet trend. So I'm a little mad. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like, make a Wes Anderson video. Yeah. Um, but so, anyway, check out our video on our website. There's lots of case studies, both in B2B brands, B2C brands, uh, food and beverage, you name it. Um, but every client that we work with is really that that passionate, brave, founder-driven brand. Yeah. Uh, I'm also really active on LinkedIn, so you can get a lot of the same advice I gave today and little snippets uh, on my LinkedIn profile. Just look for Scout Driscoll. Yeah. And then we're on Instagram at Design Scout as well. And then if you're in the wine and spirits world, I have a whole separate division focused on the wine and spirits world called Vint, V-I-N-T. Uh, you can yeah. take a look at that. So. That is very Victoria, cool. so great. Thank you so much for letting me come and speak today. Okay. I know that what you're doing with founders is so critical. And so I'm really happy to be part of their journey as they, they hit those next thresholds and revenue and growth and just nail it. Absolutely. Well, we're, we're all about getting to the next phase and growing the business seven figures and beyond. And when you get to that level of growth, brand becomes that much more important, right? The doing the bare minimum may get you you know, to that comfortable six figure, right, realm. But if you really want to be a million, multi-million dollar um, operation, like that differentiation, that brand, um, having that be upgraded is going to carry you to the next phase. So I'm so happy to have introduced everyone to you, Scout, because you're so fabulous. And thank you so much for all this today. I think it really shed a lot of light and clarity on the process to something that I think these passionate founders they want it, but they just don't know how to get there. So I think now they have a great roadmap. And of course, I hope reach out to you directly um, for upgrading some brands, because I think that's absolutely necessary for a lot of people that are listening, that they just need to commit and get to that next level. So thank you. Yeah, so and much. If, if anyone watching wants me to take a look at their brand, mm -hmm. I offer a, three, a free 30-minute brand consult. So I would love to walk through some of these questions about brands with you for your brand and, and let mm -hmm. you know do to make it better so cool all right thank you so much scout you did it you made it to the end of the episodes thanks for sticking around with me and listening all the way to the end i really appreciate you as an audience member and i hope that you found this helpful if you did like this episode it would mean so so much to me if you subscribed if you rate and review this podcast it helps other people know that this podcast has something worth saying also, it would be super awesome if you could take a screenshot and share on Instagram and tag me at Ugly Ventures, U-G-L-I Ventures, V-E-N-T-U-R-E-S. I am always so appreciative to hear from you, and I hope to see you back here next week on the Marketing for Startups podcast.